Hello and welcome to the Blues Guitar Show podcast with me, Ben Martin from thebluesguitarshow.com. Hope everyone is having a really great week this week and happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening over in the US. I uh, hope you had a good holiday. Hope you had a good time. Um, been another really busy week over here. It's getting pretty busy on the run up to Christmas. I think it's going to slow down a little bit in December, but it's been a few shows recently. Uh, had a couple of shows this weekend, but one of them was cancelled, so that kind of helped a little bit with time. Uh, but still been doing a lot of teaching uh, and working in the studio. Uh, I do have a new release that's coming out soon. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of the stuff that I released before, if you just type in Ben Martin into Apple Music, iTunes, anything like that, um, Spotify, I think it's pretty much everywhere. Uh, you can check that out. It's a lot of solo acoustic guitar stuff, but actually what I've got coming out next is a solo bass recording. It's a couple of improvisations that I did uh, just playing the bass using a loop pedal. It's an interesting kind of concept. I haven't really done anything like that before, but it came off the back of years and years and years ago. I listened to this bass player called Steve Lawson, who is absolutely fantastic um, fretless bassist. And he does a lot of recordings or albums and things that's basically just him um, playing live with a looper. So I thought I'd try my hand at that kind of thing. And it was a really interesting experiment to do because it's it kind of forces you to open up a little bit of harmony on the instrument. And one of the things I love about playing bass when I do it is that it's kind of restricted. You know, with guitar, we have a lot more kind of um, harmonic elements that we can go for and we can pick and choose from. But really, when you're when you're kind of when your scope is limited, like it is on a four or five string bass, it really forces you to try and be creative with it. Um, so that will be under the name Ben Martin Bass. So you can uh, type Ben Martin Bass into um, iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, I think it's coming out in the middle of next month. But it's already available uh, to listen to one of the tracks on YouTube. Um, you might have seen it on my Instagram, at Blues Guitar Show Podcast. That's a cheap plug for you. Um, but yeah, check it out. You might enjoy it. Now, today is going to be a little bit more of a talking-based episode. I'm going to talk you through how to select some of your gear. What guitar should you buy? What guitar should you be playing? What guitar is good for different things? Um, it's always good, I think, in my opinion, to have as big a guitar collection as you can. And you can actually clip that bit of audio and you can play it to your, your significant other if you need to. Uh, this is a professional saying that you can. there's no harm in having lots of guitars. <laughs> um, I would say I have a relative amount of guitars uh but i also work in um a music academy so i have access to a lot of guitars um being left-handed that can be a little bit tricky because it means that a lot of guitars that we have in the uh in the uh, academy i can't play but it is interesting to me to be able to have access to a lot of different instruments and i think it's really important um certainly in the early stages of your kind of musical development to make sure that you've got an instrument that fits uh, the purpose that you want and that you're kind of excited to pick up and play. Um, so I'm going to take, take you through kind of five things that I look for when I'm buying a guitar, um, different things that we can expect to hear from, different sides, uh, sizes and shapes of guitar. It's going to be focusing mostly on acoustic, but I will touch on electric stuff as well and how the kind of playability is going to affect the sort of thing that you're looking to do. This idea kind of came off the back of one of my students that I was talking to earlier in the week. Um, a lot of the guys that I teach, you know, we sit around and talk about gear before and after lessons. And, you know, everyone likes everyone likes a new guitar. I get really excited if a guy that I'm teaching comes in with a new guitar. Um, it's always good fun to kind of look at and have a play around with. But he was basically looking for a guitar to get into flat picking. He said he wants to really get into bluegrass flat picking stuff. And we've been working on a few of the kind of, you know, wagon wheel type tunes. Um, and he said, I want to get into flat picking. But at the moment, he's kind of playing a parlor-sized 
um, guitar and a really nice one. I think it's a parlor size Recording King. Recording King guitars sound fantastic. So if you've got one, uh, they are absolutely lovely. Um, but what he was, you know, we've been doing a lot of Delta Blues kind of stuff on his parlor and he wanted a bigger sound. He wanted a bit more bass. Um, and so he's looking for a bigger bodied instrument. And so we were having a look at my Dreadnought. Um, I've got an Aria 1981 Dreadnought, uh, which is kind of similar Martin-esque guitar and looking at a few different options for him. But there's a there's a few things that you always need to consider when you're looking at getting a new instrument. And the first thing is the sound. So this is the first one that he kind of was the genesis of him wanting to uh, expand his guitar collection. And I'm just going to play you a couple of different sounds of my guitars. I've got two guitars here that I'm going to play. And I want you to kind of, we'll do a bit of a, a, bit of a sound comparison. I'm going to play a little bit of bluegrass flat picking style stuff uh, on two different guitars. And we'll see how the instruments sound different. So here is instrument number one. And guitar number two. Now, there's a couple of things that you might notice in there. Um, the second guitar, for example, was a bit of a fuller bodied sound. It sounded a bit richer with the chords. Uh, it also had a little bit more sustain. I let it ring out a little bit at the end. So the first one that I played there was my Fender Redondo guitar. That's kind of my go to guitar, um, but not for flat picking stuff. Um, the second one was my Aria um, 1980s Dreadnought. So for a situation like my student was facing, wanting a kind of more bluegrassy, traditional sounding guitar, you'd certainly be looking at that kind of bigger body size, something like a Dreadnought, um, something with some age on it well as well, tends to give it a bit of extra richness, uh, something with kind of dark, heavy woods, gives it a bit more, a bit more of a kind of full sound. And also the way that the kind of body is cut, um, how much it goes in towards the sound hole will affect basically how much bass we get out of the instrument and how, how big that kind of sound is. So that's the first thing to consider is the kind of sound you want. And it's important to have different sounds for different things that you're going to play. So, for example, I use the Dreadnought anytime I'm going to do any kind of strumming stuff. If I was, if I was recording or I was playing a, a live show and um, I needed to do some sort of strum along, maybe some country, bluegrass, folk, anything like that, I would absolutely be using my Dreadnought. If I had to do any kind of blues or slide stuff, I might want to think about using my uh, Ozark Resonator guitar. Uh, it's actually my favourite guitar to play at the moment, the Resonator. It just sounds fantastic. I used it at a gig last weekend. Uh, but that's usually what I would use for kind of blues stuff or slide stuff or any Delta stuff that I might be playing. Uh, I would also use it for jazz. So I use the because the sound really lends itself well to kind of precision playing. And anything where you want the guitar to really sing, you know, one of the things about resonators is that they have a real ability to sing and kind of howl. Um, and then my Fender Redondo is what I use for everything else. I use it for pretty much all my acoustic teaching. Um, and there are a couple of reasons behind that, but we'll touch on that in a second. So the first thing is consider that the sound you want and what you want to play. Now, if we were to put this in kind of an electric guitar context, this would be the difference between a, a Strat and a Les Paul. If you want that kind of rich bluesy tone you know the humbucker sound the bb king kind of tone or um if you're going a bit classic rock you know it's kind of slash jimmy page that stuff you'd be looking at wanting a les paul because that gives you the kind of warmth that a strat single coil guitar won't give you but if you're really into that kind of um john mayer sound or 
uh, Hendrix or any of the really famous Strat players. For me, Robert Cray, uh, Robert Cray has the best guitar tone of everybody for me. It's a, it's a very, very particular sound and one that can really only be produced with a Strat. That's what you'd be looking at. So sound is a really big factor. The second big factor would be playability. And that comes down to the kind of size of the neck. Uh, with acoustics, a lot of the time it comes down to the string tension uh, as well as you know, other factors in, in with what the make, not what the neck is made of. Um, is it lacquered? Is it unlacquered? And this again goes down to what you you're wanting to do with the instrument. Uh, the one of the main reasons I use uh, my Fender Redondo for almost everything is that it has almost an electric guitar style neck. It, the neck is basically the same as it is on my Strat. It's really really thin. I can get some really good speed out of it, and it's really easy to play because it's really smooth unlacquered natural wood which just your hand just flies across so for me it's the easiest one to play for a long time um it's the easiest one on my hands because it's not like a big chunk of kind of wood the kind of ironing board feeling like you're playing an ironing board um so for me it's it's the one to use for almost everything i do especially when i'm going to be teaching for like you know sort of eight nine hour day i would definitely use that one whereas my dreadnought for example has got a very very fat neck so playability is a big one. The third thing you want to consider is price. Obviously, you want to get the most you can for your money. But I think really what's more important with price uh, than price is how much you connect with the instrument. You know, for example, the Dreadnought that I played earlier, I actually bought that secondhand. Um, in fact, my dad found it uh, secondhand for sale for £100. Now, it's obvious to me that that was an absolute steal. I mean, it's worth considerably more than £100. But it's an instrument that I absolutely love playing and it sounds fantastic, you know, and as much as it's cool to get, you know, logoed gear and the latest stuff and all this kind of thing. Um, if you find an instrument where you play it and it feels great and it sounds great, that really is all there is to it. You know, I, it doesn't matter what wood it's made of. It doesn't matter what kind of, you know, the bridge pins are made of. It doesn't matter if it's got a bone nut or whatever. That stuff is all great. But if you if you play it and it sounds great and it feels great, then it's absolutely the right the right instrument for you. And for me, I mean, I know this was a this is a made in Japan uh, guitar from the eighties, so there's a certain uh, kind of vintage cool sound about it. But really, it's it's not an expensive guitar, and it's one of my best sounding guitars. And it actually stands up next to any of my other gu uh, guitars in my guitar collection. So price is important. Uh, it's important to try and get a decent instrument. I really would recommend that you go for a good instrument over um, over a new instrument. So if you've got a few hundred dollars to spend or a thousand dollars to spend, might be. It, I mean, within reason, it's always better to go secondhand because instruments age well. If they've been looked after, they age well. They actually keep their value pretty well, um, depending on the, the instrument itself. But Generally, older instruments are not worse. You know, they're not used. They're uh, they're quite often better. The one thing I would say, though, is try and avoid buying a guitar online if you can at all, um, even if it's got a kind of legacy brand behind it. I went to the uh, the NAMM show, the equivalent in Asia, and I went to the Gibson stand and played a Hummingbird, and I was shocked because I thought, you know, Hummingbirds, they, they, you know, they must be built really well. They must sound great. It's Gibson. You know, it's a genuine Gibson. Um, and it was just not great. It wasn't, it wasn't very well built. It didn't feel good. Uh, I didn't really like, I don't, not a big fan of the way, um, the lacquered back of the neck, but it was one of those things. Um, and it wasn't for me, 
And I've played Gibsons that are phenomenal. I've played Epiphones that are absolutely phenomenal. Often I've played episodes Epiphones that I think are as good or if not better than uh, a lot of Gibsons. But it was one of those things, I could have bought that guitar online easily, thinking, well, it's Gibson, you know, it's going to be good, isn't it? And then it comes and you're like, yeah, it just doesn't connect with you in that way. So it's really important, I think, to sort of try before you buy. Which kind of leads on to the fifth one here, uh, and the last one, uh, which is how the instrument looks. And it sounds ridiculous, but I think if this is an instrument that you're going to have sitting around in your house, you know, if you're going to have a guitar in your living room uh, or in your bedroom or wherever it is, uh, or maybe you've got a room for guitars, that would be that would be cool. Um you need to want to pick it up and play it. You know, you need to look at it and go, oh, I want to pick that guitar up. You know, it needs to be enticing. Uh, and I think it needs to inspire you. And I think when you find an instrument that looks fantastic, feels fantastic and plays fantastically, um, there's really nothing better, is there? I mean, if you can hit all of those where you feel like you've got a great deal for your money, it plays really well, it feels brilliant, you know, it looks really cool and it sounds amazing, then really there's nothing better um, that you could do. So when you're considering your next guitar, and there will be a next guitar, uh, try and remember those things. Try and make sure that you get a chance to play it before you buy it. You know, it's like buying a piece of art. Make sure that you, they say when you buy art that you shouldn't buy art unless you have to have it. You know, make sure the guitar looks great. Make sure it's something that you really want to have in your house and you want to pick up and you want to show off to your buddies and your guitar teacher and all that kind of stuff. And Above anything else, make sure the guitar is fit for purpose. If you want to play a certain style of music and there's a kind of guitar that goes with that or that you'd like to go with that, then absolutely get it. It's only going to inspire you to play more and make you a better player. You know, that's not to say that you can't play gypsy jazz on a resonator and you can't play country music on a Les Paul. You absolutely, of course you can. It's all really cool. But if you want to kind of, if you're trying to replicate a specific sound, make sure that you've got the right tool in your kind of toolbox to do that. All right. I hope that was interesting. Uh, that's us done for this week. If you want to submit anything that you'd like me to talk about, head over to Instagram at Blues Guitar Show Podcast and shoot me a message. I answer all my messages. So if you have anything that you'd like, you know, questions you want me to answer on these podcasts or anything you want to learn particularly, uh, just let me know and I'll do my best to accommodate. Uh, don't forget that you can head to uh, thebluesguitarshow.com and check out all the good stuff I've got over there, both for sale and free. There's a lot of PDF tabs there. You can sign up to the mailing list where you get the tabs for a lot of the episodes. You get access to a folder that has the tabs for the past episodes. So if you want to go back and listen to some of those, make sure you subscribe to the mailing list. Um, you can always hit up the buy me a coffee link uh, below in the show notes if you want to support the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five star review. If you find this stuff useful, we could try and get this to as many people as possible. Have a great week, everybody, and I'll catch you next time. Are you fully fretboard confident? Do you know where the notes are, how they connect and how they move up and down the strings? My latest book, The Triad Method, is all about using simple three note shapes to completely unlock the fretboard. This book is absolutely full of light bulb moments that are going to demystify the neck three notes at a time. I've compiled a huge number of diagrams, shapes and exercises based on over 10 years of teaching this stuff to make it as simple as possible. Download The Triad Method and see for yourself today. Link is in the description below.